Welcome to season four of the Echo Podcast, where we uh, sit down with two other people and we talk about questions on faith, life, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We try to share our perspectives and kind of dive into these issues, and hopefully it's something that grows us all. Uh, today's episode, we have two awesome guests with us. The first is Natalie Boonstra. She is a, a hero of mine. Uh, she is an inspiration and a fashion icon uh, extraordinaire. She is incredible, and uh, she is a junior... Uh, student at Southern in public relations. Um, she has a passion for Jesus and a passion for others, and it's uh, really cool to see her heart for ministry and, and for God. And excited for you to hear from her. She also is a part of the Flourish podcast, which is for Adventist women leaders in the North American division. So go check out Flourish. We'll include some links for you. And then our other guest is Benjamin Lundquist, who is the young adult director for the Oregon Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He also works on that level for the North American Division and leads the Growing Young Project in the North Pacific Union. So someone who is very invested in young adults. He's someone that I met working at summer camp and someone who has a huge passion for summer camp ministries and pouring into them. And he also has a uh, awesome podcast called Rise and Lead, all about empowering leaders and leadership and understanding what your role as a leader is. And if you don't think you're a leader, you just might actually be one. And so go check out Flourish, go check out Rise and Lead, and I'm excited for you to hear from them on this episode. I'm Ryan Becker. Let's get started. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University. So this is going to be a cool conversation because I think both of you are individuals that have a lot to say, or at least have a lot to contribute in this area. Um, ben, I know for you, you are someone who is all about, like this is almost your entire platform, um, is is mentoring and um, how to become a good one and how to find them and uh, really just connecting people with those that can empower them and those they can empower and Natalie, for you, you are someone who ends up sitting at the table with a lot of random individuals and a lot of, um, you are someone with a wealth of experience, despite mm -hmm. what some may think regarding how old you look or anything like that. <laughs> I know that well. I just had a uh, conference youth director last week ask if I was in my mid-30s. Wow. <laughs> um, and I said, no, I'm, I'm 26. Uh, and he was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought you were... So I... Um, it is interesting. So you're, you're on the other end of the experience exactly, spectrum. Exactly, exactly. Um, but you are someone as well who, um, you can do a lot of great conversations with people and you are someone who has an incredible story as well. And so, uh, I'm just excited to share this conversation with you guys and, and to hear your thoughts and perspectives on this. And hopefully it be something that can impact, um, impact those that are listening to it. So, um, I just want to, uh, open this one by first asking the question of what would you what what definition would you give for a mentoring relationship? And I'd love to hear something from both of you. However, if one of you goes and the other one agrees, that's fine too. <laughs> um, but yeah, Natalie, do you have one? I would just say a mentor is someone who sees um, a potential in another person, and that can be any person. Every single person has potential. Um, and, and they say, here, look, you look like you're going on the same path as where I have been, or here are some things I wish I wouldn't have done to get where I am. Um, I see a lot of myself and my desires in you. Let me invest in you, be your friend, learn you, know what makes you tick, what brings you joy, and let's just like really work on that together. 
Um, that's yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one, uh, Ben. What about you? Yeah, I think that's really good. Um, when I think about mentoring, um, I think I can boil it down to the term "deeper withing." Mm-hmm. That uh, a lot of people think about mentoring as a teacher-student relationship. Uh, which for me brings a lot of pressure because every time you're with somebody, you have to have this nugget of incredible wisdom to share. And I know early on, even as a pastor, I felt this pressure that if I was with a young person and didn't open up some conversation about scripture or faith, that that was a failed opportunity. Mm. And I think I've really transitioned to look at mentoring as deeper withing that two individuals are choosing to do a deeper level of life together. And it's much less of a student-teacher relationship mm-hmm. um, where you always have to be either in student mode or teacher mode. And it's much more of, hey, we are going to support each other's journeys. We're going to mm-hmm. be here for each other. We're going to practice empathy. Yeah. And we are going to do deeper life together. Mm-hmm. And that really debunks the idea that Um, mentoring is only a one-way street, but being able to look at if you're 55 or 65, you have a lot that you can learn from a 25-year-old or even a 15-year-old. So it's really about this deeper relationship. Two people are coming together. It's mutually beneficial. You're growing together relationally, but you also are, um, I think, encouraging the spiritual and life journeys of each other, and you're both benefiting from the relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Well, this has been a great episode. Um, thank you both <laughs> for coming. No. Um, no, I would. I agree with both of you, and I think the way that we're talking about this on this episode, I very much do want to um, consider this from both sides, from the mentee and, and the mentor. Um, and I love the idea of empowerment, of investment, Mm -hmm. and of finding someone who's kind of on a similar journey, right? Having a mentor who's Mm -hmm. not in the direction or a mentee that's not trying to go in the direction you are, it's hard to mentor them in a direction that you are, you know, um, that either you have no experience with or is totally opposed to your value system or ethics or anything like that. Um, So I love that idea. And I do love the idea of it being both a journey together. Um, that this this isn't like a student-teacher or apprentice relationship, though there Mm -hmm. is a little bit of that in there, obviously, but it is a partnership and uh, this mutual connection. So I love that. Yeah. Um, Something I think if you have a friendship with your mentor, um, myself as someone who's been a mentee um, very recently, and I still am, it you're more likely to be vulnerable with that person and ask for help if you feel like they're your friend and be honest about where you are instead of trying to impress them. Quote, yeah. unquote. And yeah. No, that's great. Um, so with um, with the experiences that you guys have had, what has been the impact of mentoring in your own life? And that can be a story of a mentor, the story of the time where you were the mentor, anything like that. But what has been, yeah, what has been that impact in your own life that you could say, yes, mentoring did this for me? You know, I, I think for me, looking back over uh, my life and journey, um, God... I believe, strategically placed the right people in my life at the right time. And I look mm-hmm. back, I, and I can identify men and women, some that I have been related to, some that I worked for, some that were just in the same circle, that spoke uh, truth and hope and encouragement into my life when I really needed it most. And so I think for me, um, a single a single word, a relationship, um, has the power to really transform somebody's life. And so mm-hmm. I think back... And there are some mentors, uh, Ryan and Natalie, that, I, that I've that i had for life 
or a big chunk of my life, and there are others that I've just had for a season. Mm-hmm. They kind of came in for a five-year period, 10 years, and they may have drifted away or, or kind of drifted out. But yeah, I think for me, mentors um, really called me to a life of intentionality. They challenged me. They encouraged me. They saw things in me that I never saw in myself. And I'm sure you know you both can relate to that, that we often we can't see within ourselves mm-hmm. the potential that really exists. Mm-hmm. So by somebody looking in from the outside, they can say, Ryan, you may not see this in you, but it's always been there. And I've always yeah. seen that in you. And so I think for me, mentors, God used mentors to really mm-hmm. unlock the potential that he put inside of me that I just could never see for myself. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Going off of that, I, someone who I consider to be a mentor right now, um, she's a professor at Southern, Professor Natalia. So I had her class of my freshman year of college and I just looked up to her so much. She's dynamic in the classroom. She's on top of it. She knows what she's talking about. She's friendly. She's bubbly. And I was like, wow, like I really look up to this woman. And then um, my sophomore year, she invited me to do a podcasting project with her. And we started having conversations and she started, you know, just really investing in me and saying, these are the talents that I notice in you. And I was like, wow, I can't believe someone noticed me mm-hmm. um, just by me sitting in her classroom and having a few conversations with her. I, I love what you, I love that um, case study, uh, Natalie, that you actually collaborated on a project together with somebody mm-hmm. and, you know, through the probably organic connections of that project, you yeah. begin to learn so much about somebody else and that mentor saw things in you as you all were working together. Yeah, yeah. that's huge. Uh, you know, for me, mentoring, very few of the mentors in my life knew they were my mentors. Hmm. Um, it's been more of an implicit thing for me. And part of that came out of... Um, because of when a lot of stuff happened to me my senior year of high school, I had to figure out a lot of my own life on my own. There wasn't really anyone to ask, um, and the people that I would ask were busy with other things, or um, I felt guilty asking them. Uh, and so it ended up with me really seeking out uh, people that I figured, you've done this before, and I need help here. Um, and a lot of those were older men, because I didn't have a dad to ask questions to after after high school. And so a lot of those those guys that are now st- still my friends became kind of like father figures to me. They were they were um people that I could that I could share my life with and still learn more about what being a man means actually. Um and and all facets of that, not necessarily one, you know, one lane of what what masculinity is. Um and then also being able to uh, just be in relationship with them and and have that kind of connection where even I was able to benefit their lives as well. And mm. the collaborative nature of it, that I mean, that was the easiest way to find those relationships was when we were on projects together. That's when you, I mean, that's when you find out like, oh, we're actually connected. Like we, uh, I can think of countless even just friends, not even mentors that I have that I'd known or we, you know, we had known who each other were for years, but until we actually worked on a project together, we never talked. The second we did, we became best friends. And, and I think a lot of mentoring relationships can be formed that way as well. So um, how, well, I'll first ask this. Do you, at this exact moment, consider yourself a mentor to someone? Is there someone in your life that you consider yourself a mentor to? Or, um, and it's okay if it's a no, I promise. Um, or is there someone that you would 
Um, or is there someone that you have mentored before? That would be the, the other side of that question. And if so, how? That's a good question. Lady, ladies first. <laughs> um, I guess just right off of the bat, um, my instinct was to say no. I mean, I'm, I'm 20. I'm like, who do I have the right to mentor, um, so to speak? Um, I guess when I was in high school, my senior year, I was a resident assistant in the girls' dorm. And I had about like eight girls on my hall who I would go in and pray with every night and talk to every night. And so I guess that's where my desire to pour into people as individuals began. Um, so I would I would hope that I was a mentor to those girls. And I, I pray that as I continue to form relationships with especially teenage girls, you know, they're just a few years younger than me. I was just there. I know how... How it feels. Um, I have a deep desire to be a mentor for someone. Being a girls summer camp counselor was huge for me. Um, spending that one-on-one time, um, those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. I think um, you do have to um, own the opportunity that you have in front of you. So I mm-hmm. think that I think there is a mindset that says, "Oh, I'm not, I'm not a mentor. That's not really me." But the reality is you don't really give yourself that title. Somebody else gives mm-hmm. you that title. And so I think the uh, the mentor title is something that someone places upon you because of the investment that you are making in their life. And I'll, I'll give you a great example. I would never walk into a church or a summer camp and walk up to a, a young adult and say, Hey, my name is Benjamin. I just wanted to let you know that I am going to be your mentor. <laughs> and they're going to look at me and say, um, I'm going to make a phone call because this is a really awkward moment. And by the way, you have not earned the right to speak into my life. Mm. And so you're not really a mentor. So, you know, I, I think um, I have heard enough people um, share that my investment has made an impact in their life. And Natalie, you mentioned that. And I know, Ryan, you know, mm-hmm. you have mentored so many people, whether mm-hmm. it's with podcasting, ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think when you hear that enough, um, there is a point where you have to own that that is a space that God is calling you into. Mm-hmm. And you can't just discount it by saying, mm-hmm. oh, no, that's not me. Yeah. It is you. Mm-hmm. Because that has been affirmed by people asking for your time and to yep. speak into your life. And so I think there is that balance of you don't give yourself that title but when God has used you enough in that space and affirmed that investment, mm-hmm. you do have to own that this is where God is using you. And mm-hmm. I think that just gives you that challenge to be even more intentional with whether it's being um, an RA in the dormitory yeah. or you know doing uh, recruiting and running Engage at Southern. Mm-hmm. But you do have to own it when you can see it and see the way God is using you. And it just helps you to be a lot more intentional. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. and. Uh, in, in only in slight contrast, what I say, I, I do know of times where someone has approached a mentor and said, I want you to mentor me and you're going to and I'm not <laughs> going to let you walk away from this until you say yes. And I have seen as well people and I've done this myself where I've come up to um, to youth or other young adults or um, even I've, I've done this with youth leaders and um, people much older than me, too, and said, like, hey, I want to come alongside you and and help you, you know, figure this out and journey here and I want to keep investing in you because I see there's mm-hmm. potential here um, and I see that in you and if that's okay with you I'd love to be able to um, to pour into you and 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 help build you up and that um, but that has always happened and this is along the lines with what you've said that has always happened 
when they already know who I am and there's already been some form of we have talked and we are friends to some level versus like, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm going to be your mentor today, you know? Um, So, no, I I appreciate both of those answers. And you had mentioned something that I do want to dive into, um, which is you're like, I'm only 20. (laughs) Um, Yes. So most people do think of when when they think of mentoring relationships, the picture that most people put in their head is... Um, is older person, younger person. So right. um, is that the only mentoring? I, I mean, I feel like the answer is just no, but is that mm-hmm. the only mentoring relationship or what are the other, what are other mentoring relationships that do exist or, or types that would, I don't want anyone to feel like I can't mentor someone or I can't, I can't be someone who actually journeys with someone else. So right. um, yeah, what are the other different types of mentoring relationships and, and um, why are they important, I guess? Well, I actually just had a peer mentor um, for a specific experience. I was going through a very like vulnerable, important worship talk um, at my university at Southern. And there was a girl there. She was just one year older than me. And she's like, I just did this same experience last year. Let me tell you how I prayed over it. Let me tell you how I sought advice. Let me tell you how I dealt with nerves. Let me tell you all these things. And so we had multiple like lunch dinners where we sat together and then the night of she gave me some note cards about things that she prays over before she speaks and so that was a peer mentorship we were peers we were both college students and so I think that exists for sure yeah what about you yeah I I would say that um you have the opportunity to mentor and contribute into somebody else's life based Mm -hmm. on your life experience and what you have to offer and I would just challenge anybody by saying, don't discount what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. You may think that, oh, it's all about age. It's not about age. It really is about what you have to offer as far as hope and encouragement and advice mm-hmm. and experience yeah. into somebody else's life. And I, if you were going to reverse engineer how do a lot of mentoring uh, relationships develop, I think both of you mentioned the idea of collaborating on projects. Mm-hmm do something together, like do something together, whether it's a a project or an initiative and see what type of relationships develop out of that project or initiative. And I think there's an organic connection that begins to happen where you look at somebody and, and you say, that person is where I might like to be in two years or three years, mm-hmm. or they have an expertise mm-hmm. in an area that I don't, but abs- absolutely. I think everybody has, um, a voice that they can speak into somebody else's life. And I, I'm yeah. surprised all the time. And I don't know, Natalie, if you've worked at summer camps. Yes. And you haven't, Ryan. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we all we all have camp ministry in our blood. Mm-hmm. Loving, love camp ministry. I, I've been approached um, 15 years or so after working at a particular camp and have had a camper say, something mm. you spoke into my life mm. 15 years ago has wow. now taken root, and I've never forgotten that. Mm. And usually my response is, um, I smile, say thank you. I have no recollection yeah. of yep. what happened. <laughs> so you're in that moment, you're trying to affirm that what what God spoke through you made an impact in somebody's life. But I think just speaking into your point, I was 19 years old, and mm-hmm. I would never have called myself a mentor at 19 years of age. But again, we don't place that title on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We have to own it. But I think when somebody else sees us um, filling that role, we become a mentor Mm -hmm. to them because they see us from that angle. 
Yeah. I've uh, I've heard kind of two phrases that, that go along with this, and I want to add now this this idea of you not deciding that you're the mentor um, to them. The, the one I've heard is you don't get to decide if you're the jerk. Um, in other words, you could say all you want that I'm not a jerk. And yeah. this goes along with the saying of like, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but others by their actions. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, your intentions could all be good, but everyone else is like, yeah, but your actions say like, you're a jerk. For all intents and purposes, you're a jerk. Um, the other one I've heard is at some point you will be the villain in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. In other words, you can't always be the good guy, whether mm-hmm. that's in a, you know, could be a bad breakup, a friendship ending, whatever. But there is always, there's going to be someone at some point that, that sees you and says, yeah, I don't like that person. You cannot be the good guy and the hero in every single person's story. You have to be perfect. Um, <laughs> and I think this is, this goes along with that too of, yeah, you don't get to decide when you're the mentor and you may not even know that you are mentoring someone. Um, yeah. They may never tell you. And, and that's the beauty of mentoring relationships is that they can be so implicit. And um, you can glean insights from people and learn from people in a deeper way, um, simply through friendship and through um, and through just kind of learning from them and watching them work and working alongside them. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, go ahead. I'm just gonna say, and I love what you me- what you mentioned um, earlier, Ryan, that you sought out mentors, mm-hmm. and I think you know mm-hmm. just as there's no age limit to what you can offer to speak into somebody else's life. I think there's also the challenge that no matter what age you are, you need somebody speaking into your life, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or even 80, Mm -hmm. an 80 year old leader, you need to have voices speaking into your life. Mm -hmm. And so I would just, I think also challenge all of us, anyone listening, always be doing an inventory of who are the mentors that you are identifying mm-hmm. in your life. Do an inventory mm-hmm. of that on a, on a regular basis and ask the question, do the mentors that I currently have, are they the voices that I need speaking into my life mm-hmm. for the life season that I'm in? Right. And the mentor that I had at 25, I still love that individual, but his or her voice may not be the most influential voice that I now need in my life mm-hmm. at my current life stage. But mm-hmm. I just... I think I want to commend you for that in that you didn't just sit and wait for it to happen. But when you mentioned that senior year in high school and Mm -hmm. how challenging that was for you and some of the voids in your life, you said, I'm going to take the initiative Mm -hmm. and I'm going to go look for what I know that I need. And I meet people that are not willing to do that or they're not aware of that. Mm -hmm. And all they are operating from is the void of mm-hmm. those voices in their life that are that have the potential to empower mm-hmm. them instead of saying, no, you got to own that. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is your life and yeah. you need somebody, mm-hmm. multiple people, men and women speaking into your life. So go get what you need. And I mm-hmm. think just that idea of doing that inventory, um, you know, every month, every six months, whatever mm-hmm. life season you're in and go seek out the voices that yeah. you need most in your life. Yeah, I've heard like find the process of finding a mentor kind of like dating. Like you go, you might go on a lot of dates before you Natal- settle down. Natalie, tell us more. <laughs> tell us yes, more about please. this. <laughs> yeah, let me let me break that down. <laughs> Is there like a tin, like yeah, a, a Tinder, Tinder for mentors? mentors? A, a Tinder. For- Can we do that? Can we make that? Did we just or is have that just a business LinkedIn idea? If it, people used it, I'm gonna say uh, maybe just dro- that may just be a concept worth pursuing. Yeah, no, yeah. I think if we all make millions of dollars off of this. Yeah. You all saw it first. All right. 
Sorry, continue. So like no. dating relationships, right. I'm in. So, so for dating, you go on a date with someone and you decide, do I want to go on another date? Did this connection feel good? And so with finding a mentor, you might ask someone, hey, I really like what you're doing. Let's go grab lunch. And then mm. you're like, oh, maybe I don't like your vibe as much as I thought I did. So you might have to do that a couple times before you settle on someone. You settle on your boyfriend girlfriend but it's your it's your mentor so that's mm. yeah <laughs> i love in playing off that 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 is natalie that's so good um i think there is a real value along that same conversation in starting with group dates if you know what mm. i'm saying yes so it may not be right off the bat when you don't have relationship with somebody you haven't you haven't collaborated on that project or initiative mm-hmm. to say let's start this intimate one-on-one meeting every week at a restaurant uh relationship yeah when maybe you don't really know that person mm-hmm. that well. And so yeah. I think being able to, to to see somebody in a setting where what they have to offer can really shine. And, and I know for me, I look for people that are where I want to be in 5, 10, or 15 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Or they have a specific skill set or they have advice and experience that I don't have. And, yeah. I, and I'm looking for that in my life. But yeah, maybe we look at group dates mm. before we go into that into yeah. that one-on-one. But yeah, that dating, I think there are a lot of similarities yeah. in that approach. Well, right. and, and even along the lines of the group date, like that was you in class, right? Like that's right. With, with your professor. That, yeah. That's mm-hmm. exactly what that is, is a chance for both of you to see each other in a neutral environment. And like she saw something in you and you saw something in her. And mm-hmm. eventually those two things did come together. Yeah. Um, and one thing I think I would add here too is uh, for for anyone kind of on on the younger side of things that wonder like what do I have that could speak into an older person's life? Um, and now I'm going to specifically say this about um, anyone kind of 60 or older. I would say there is a over the last 10 years as as people have ta- talked or I guess 20 years have been talking about millennials and millennials and millennials and millennials. Um, what I have noticed in a lot of older generation. Uh, a lot of the older generation. I noticed this when I pastored a district myself, and um, I noticed this in regular conversations with leaders, that a lot of older individuals do end up feeling like I'm unwanted, like mm-hmm. I, you know, you just are waiting for me to die off so you can get your way, right? I've heard that sentiment many times, um, whether intentionally put there or not by mm-hmm. by those younger than them. And the one thing that beyond any experience that you have or knowledge you have about how technology works or how, you know, how connected the world is or whatever. Uh, the one thing that you do have to bring the, to the table is affirmation hmm. and is value, right? Is, is um, reminding them that they are appreciated, that they do have a place here. Uh, I, I think we have the tendency to assume that those older than us have it all figured out um, and are confident in themselves. And that's not the case at all. Um, people look at me like I have it all figured out, and I definitely don't. Um, and well, you are thirty-five. That's true. I am thirty-five. <laughs> uh, maybe when I turn thirty-six, I'll have it all figured out. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll maybe one day. Um, but yeah, I, I, if anything, if I mean, if nothing else, the one thing that you do bring to the table is the opportunity to uh, to help someone else feel like they do still belong. Um, in the church that they've given so much of their life to, potentially, if it's a leader in Adventism uh, or in whatever denomination someone may be a part of, um, or just they have value to society and the world mm-hmm. um, for who they are. And that's part of, and that affirmation comes with you saying, I want to learn from you. Um, there's affirmation in that just naturally. So I think there there is something that is really 
um, powerful that younger individuals can take with them as well. Um, but yeah. I, I think that that is huge. And I think you also have to remember that when you look at generations, the mindset of generations is so different, you know? And so when you look at um, a seasoned leader within the church or a seasoned church member, 100%, they have so much value to offer younger generations. And I'd love to have you comment, Natalie, on this. I've yeah. never met a young adult who didn't want to be mentored. I have never yes. met one. Mm-hmm. And you have seasoned uh, church members who are mm-hmm. sitting on this wealth of knowledge and experience, but they don't believe in the contribution that they can really make while mm-hmm. at the same time, their most, their highest priority in that life season is legacy. So here you have mm-hmm. a seasoned generation that's thinking about legacy, but they are insecure about what they really have to offer a younger generation. And so when you think about the church, 100%, we are stronger together when generations mm. come together, 100%. Yeah. You look when you go to, I don't know what your grandparents' situation is, but when you get everybody together at grandma and grandpa's mm-hmm. house, it is chaotic. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it is a mess, but it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is so much life and Legos are all over the place and there's food <laughs> and you know aluminum foil from all the casseroles yeah. and vegetarian dishes, mystery yes. meats, all that kind of stuff. But mm. when generations come together, there's life. Yeah. And so, right, I think that's such a key point that if you're a younger leader in your late teens, 20s, even early 30s, mm-hmm. don't underestimate um, your voice being able to unlock the potential of a seasoned mm-hmm. yeah. individual that has everything there to share, they mm-hmm. often just don't believe that they're relevant anymore or they don't believe right. that they have a voice. And so I think that's I think that's huge. And again, that mentoring goes goes both ways. I think that's great. I was going to touch on the point of we as the younger generation could do a better job of saying, hey, you do have experience. I like what you have done and it's probably not going to be exactly the same way we approach it but you've got seasons of life to share with me so it's that back and forth relationship i I knew a guy um when i was pastoring in phoenix arizona that uh was raised by the hell's angels motorcycle club when he was a young kid and he lived in a home behind where a group of the hell's angels would work on motorcycles and bikes and stuff and they would lift him over the fence to hang out with their motorcycles. Anyway, the guy um, ended up falling in love with motorcycles, became a follower of Jesus, and he is still living in Phoenix, probably late 50s, early 60s. He mentors young guys by having them restore 1930s and 40s Harley Davidson motorcycles. Hmm, So he's taken what he loves um, and just uses that as a platform to talk mm-hmm. about life and experience together. And so, and it's beautiful, you know, it mm-hmm. built, it puts life into his life and he gives life into younger leaders as well. But yeah, when you get generations together, I think that's what church is all about. And yeah. we're stronger together. Absolutely. So I do want to ask this because I don't know that every single mentoring relationship that has ever existed has been a positive one. Mm. So are there any risks, things, red flags, things to watch out for, any risks of having a mentoring relationship, uh, anything along those lines that either you've experienced or that you know exist um, that you would caution people to you know, be on the lookout for? Um, 
watch out for someone who might be trying to live vicariously through you um, and like yeah. not interested in actually watching you progress, but just pouring all their knowledge without actually asking you, hey, is this actually helpful? Mm. Yeah, I think that's really good. Just to add maybe a couple things. Um, it would be a red flag if a mentor is saying one thing and living another. Mm. And so again, I think that's a challenge for mentors that if if or if if you want to invest as a mentor, you better be leading yourself really well and you mm-hmm. better be living in your own life what you are speaking into somebody else's life. And so I think for me that would be a red flag if you're seeing um disjointment between what a person is saying and how a person is living. And I would just say if you're on the younger receiving side of a mentoring relationship, um Take ownership that you can filter out anything that is spoken into your life. And if something is spoken that's not in harmony with God's word, you got to filter that out and recognize that people are going to share from their unique experience base and their journey, which is going to be a little different from yours. And so I think what I mean by that is you don't have to take everything that somebody says as truth, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. be able to filter that out and Mm -hmm. take what is going to be applicable to your life. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean just because an individual said it that you're going to take and apply every piece of that conversation to your life. Mm. Mm -hmm. The one thing I think I would add here too is on the flip side of beware, be wary of a mentor trying to live vicariously through you. I would say be wary of idolizing your mentor um, and, and not being able to look uh, critically and discern when something is good or bad um, because the mentor is also on their own journey and their life yeah. could take a left turn, a right turn. Um, anything could happen in that time that if you, um, I can think of my very first mentor who that very much has happened to and um, it's been kind of tragic to watch that play out. It, like it's hurt to watch that play out. Um, but it is something that if I had idolized that person to to a unhealthy level, I may have been willing to follow in those same kind of footsteps. And um, some being self-destructive, um, some just being not setting yourself up for success and leading yourself well. And um, so, yeah, just be wary of idolizing the people that you're looking to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to ask uh, one final thing here. I, I think it's important to end on um, on something that really demonstrates what we're talking about here. So I do want to ask, what is a... Um, do you have any stories, anything that you would want to share about how um, specifically how uh, mentoring, ha- uh, you know, a mentor relationship or interaction that you have had um, that has grown you or grown the other person or both of you and, and something that's just kind of really stuck with you? Either or. Yeah, you know, I think <laughs> one that I would share, um, this is actually a case study or a story that happened to a young adult that, I, that I've been uh, mm-hmm. journeying with for a while. And I think it it really reverse engineers the mentoring process. And if you are somebody that has a lot to share, uh, being a mentor or a voice of mentorship is not complicated. It can be really simple. And I'll just give you a quick case study. A friend of mine who was um, in Arizona, grew up in the Seventh Avenue Church, went to Crater Roll, all the Sabbath schools. And, you know, Ryan, you had mentioned uh, that senior year of high school, some of the challenges, not having that father figure in your life. And we've talked about that as well. This individual, his name uh, is Mason. Mason's dad walked out on uh, their family of four that now became a family of three when he was about five or six years of age. 
And so Mason didn't have that father figure. He was growing up in the Seventh Avenue Church in Arizona. And he told me that when he was about 15 years of age, he made the decision to leave the church and just kind of disengage with that community. And I asked him, I said, Mason, why did you leave the church? And he said, the church was giving me sermons, but I didn't need sermons. I needed a father figure. I mm-hmm. needed somebody that was willing to do deeper life with me. And so Mason rolled out. He did this uh, journey of checking out what the world has to offer. He got fairly beat up with in the, in the process, not having that guidance. Yeah. So he told me that he felt compelled by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he knew it was the Holy Spirit at the time, but, but that he, was, he should call the church that he grew up at and ask if there was a gentleman that could mentor him. So he picks up this his phone and he said he picked up the phone and hung it up a number of times, mm-hmm. just afraid I've left this community. Now I'm now I'm gonna re-engage. But he finally called, he connected with the church secretary, and he said, This is Mason. And she said, Mason, we haven't seen you in five years. Are you alive? How are you doing? And Mason uh, asked this question, is there anybody at the church that could mentor me? Is there a men's group? And the secretary told me with tears in her eyes, she said, I didn't have anything to offer him. Like there was nothing that we had program wise. So she prayed with Mason. They hung up the phone. God is so good in the way that he connects people together. Five minutes after that phone call finished, a gentleman in the church named Larry, who was in his early 60s, felt called to call the church. Mm-hmm. And so Larry calls the church, secretary picks up, and Larry says, um, hey, Sherry, I just feel like God is calling me to mentor somebody. Is there someone that, that I can mentor? Mm-hmm. Sherry about dropped the phone. You've heard that phrase, drop yeah. the mic. Sherry about <laughs> dropped the phone. And she said, Larry, I just got off the phone with this kid, Mason. She connected them together, and here's how this relationship played out. Larry um, met Mason. They begin to connect. I think they may have done some projects together, a few things to get to know each other. And Larry said, if I'm going to invest in your life, it's got to be on a regular basis. So I want to meet you every week at a very high-end restaurant. (laughs) And Larry said, I'm going to pay. And Mason thought, well, that's great because I'm broke. And so (laughs) Larry said, okay, we're going to meet every week at this restaurant. Mason said, where are we going to meet? And Larry said, uh, it's it's a little familiar, uh, Taco Bell. Yes, and, amen. And so they met at Taco Bell for over a year. Wow. And during this journey, Larry told Mason, if you're going to become a man of God, you've got to read God's word for yourself. Hmm. And so he spoke encouragement. Mason read the word of God for himself cover to cover. I think it took him like over a year or so. Mm-hmm. And his life began to get transformed. And Larry told him, we can't begin to, we can't keep meeting on a regular basis indefinitely because it's time that you start mentoring and investing in somebody Mm. else's life. So Mason began to do that. um, And he opened up his home on Friday nights for 30 to 50 young adults to come and do Vespers programs. And he paid for all the food like Larry had paid for all the Taco Bell for that year. And I'll just finish up the story uh, with this last chapter. About a year and a half ago, I got a Facebook message from Mason. And Mason said, he said, P-Ben, Pastor Benny said, P-Ben, you got to pray for me. Something is going down. 
and then he didn't give me a follow-up <laughs> message. He just what? left it at that. And so I, I told my wife, Kim, I said, Kim, I don't know what's going down, but something is going <laughs> down. So we prayed like, God, whatever's going down, help it to go down well. And so Mason followed up when he said, um, I found my dad. Wow. And I'm going to fly from Phoenix, Arizona to Orlando, Florida, and I'm going to approach my dad for the first time since he walked out on us. And I thought, wow. Um, so we prayed, we prayed it up and Mason flew from Arizona, um, over to Orlando, got a rental car, pulled up in front of the house, sat there for 30 or 40 minutes, terrified mm-hmm. to go in, mm-hmm. to go and knock on the door, mustered up the courage, knocked on the door. Uh, somebody answered the door cracked open and Mason said he knew right off the bat, just by the facial features, this was his dad. Mm. And so they they connected. They may have embraced. Um, but that whole relationship um, has been restored. That doesn't always happen, but no, it did yeah. happen with Mason. And it has been restored. And I said, Mason, what was that like? And he said, ma'am, it was like Jerry Springer. And I said, what do you mean, Jerry Springer, if, you're, if, you can, if you've heard about that? you know, reality TV show. He said, on the same day, I found out I had three other half brothers and sisters. So not only did I find my dad, I'm going to like sister B and sister C and brother B. And and he found out he had all this connection. And about a year ago, Mason sent me a photo and his dad had flown out to Arizona and they were celebrating um, a first Father's Day together that Mason can remember. And so I, I just say that I shared that to say mentoring is not complicated. Anybody can do it. Mm-hmm. It's about um, stepping through those doors of opportunity to speak hope and encouragement and life into somebody else's life and let that relationship be spirit led. Yeah. You should never have to force a mentoring relationship. Mm-hmm. It will happen organically. It will be spirit led, but the intentionality is is our responsibility to not miss those moments. Um, like you said, Natalie, when you got up to share that message about vulnerability, yeah. for that person to say, I'm going to be intentional. I've been there. Yes. And there's something I have to offer mm-hmm. uh, her. And so I'm not going to let this wait to go two weeks later. Yeah. I'm going to speak it into her because she needs it right now. Mm-hmm. And I've heard social media and some friends of mine say that that talk went extremely well. Praise God. And God really I would agree. Really mm-hmm. used you, Ryan, you may have been there. But the idea that um, somebody had the courage to own that Holy Spirit moment and say, I'm going to step in mm-hmm. and I'm going to offer what I can offer because I want that person to succeed. And I think that really for me is the heart of mentorship that you share what you have to offer in those Holy Spirit moments because you genuinely want somebody else to succeed and you want that person to succeed because somebody probably wanted you to succeed. And if you never had a mentor, I think it's the call for us to say we have a responsibility to provide for others what we never were provided ourselves. Mm -hmm. And just because we didn't have it, 
it doesn't mean that we can't do it effectively for other people. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's yeah. powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And mm -hmm. I'm this whole time I've been wondering if this is the same Mason that I know from Phoenix. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. If it is, shout out Mason. Um, but no, that that is a really powerful story. And, and thank you for sharing that. Natalie, I do want to give you the opportunity. Is there something you'd like to share? Or do you want to go out on that note? Totally fine. Let's go out on that note. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally fine. Um, well, thank you guys both for this conversation. This has been really cool. Um, and I loved learning more, uh, learning different ways to kind of um, talk about mentorship and mentoring relationships. And, and to anyone listening, I would encourage you to uh, identify those people in your life that are mentors. Identify the ways that you can provide and contribute to others around you and as well, whether that's through experience through um, or through knowledge or just through affirmation and, and, and value. Um, so um, I, we would definitely encourage you to do that. Know that we are praying for you as you are on that journey as well. And thank you so much for listening, for being on this journey with us. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Echo and for being on this journey with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope that you'll leave a comment, subscribe, hit that like button. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever podcasting app that you like the most, we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button, that you'll leave a review, and that you'll engage with us. And also for more content from Project Refresh that's like Echo and some of the other shows that we host, then head on over to theprojectrefresh.org. Thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us, and we'll see you next week. This episode of the Echo Podcast is sponsored by Southern Adventist University.